So thanks, everybody, for joining us for our final podcast of 2018, which is both exciting and shocking that 2018 is already almost over. Um, Maurice is here, as always. Hi, Maurice. Good morning. And I'm Morgan Harper, VP of Knowledge Management and Strategy at LISC. And today we have a special guest, Captain Dean Isabella from the Providence Police Department, a longtime partner of LISC Providence and our, our LISC safety team. Thanks for joining us, Captain Isabella. Oh, good morning, everyone. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for being with us, Captain. So as those who have been following along know, we're taking some time with each of these podcasts to kind of reflect on where LISC community development has been over the past 40 years and, and where, we're, where we're moving towards. So this is our first podcast that's focused on safety issues, which has been a big part of LISC's programming. And Maurice, I thought we'd actually start with you to just talk a little bit about how did community development, LISC, get into safety and what do you see as the connection with our mission uh, of, of community revitalization? Well, the connection is, uh, I'll start with that one, Uh, it's pretty direct. Uh, You cannot have communities of opportunity if they're they're not safe, right? And so the – and the second piece is our work is fundamentally about leveraging local assets to achieve outcomes. And uh, I think the captain will agree to me the – with me on this, that the most important components to safe neighborhoods are, frankly, the residents in those mm-hmm. neighborhoods and law enforcement forging a partnership that uh, that helps folks keep um, keep the community safe. And so it um, it is very consistent with what we do. We uh, attempt to be a facilitator of partnerships that create opportunities in neighborhoods. And you have to do it on a number of different levels, housing, economic development, safety, et cetera. And so we are fortunate enough to have people like Captain Isabella to work with Mm -hmm. to um, forge relationships between or amongst residents, community-based groups, us, law enforcement, and use those relationships and those partnerships to make neighborhoods safer and thereby um, enable us to uh, rehab housing, to put fields in for uh, youth to play on, to help uh, businesses get started and sustained, et cetera. So it, um, it's, it, it's very much a part of what we do, and it really started with us working with the Justice Department at mm. the federal level. Around, in, 19, in the ni- 90s, I believe, right? In the 90s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, around us providing technical assistance for this work around the country. And it's it's just spread, and it's uh, now a part of what we try to do uh, everywhere. Great. Captain Isabella, I am am interested because, you know, my understanding is you're working in the community you grew up in, a young kid dreaming a career in law enforcement. Did you ever envision that there would be this intersection with community development? Talk, uh, Talk to us a little bit about that path for you. Yeah, so first of all, let me just uh, acknowledge uh, what Mr. Jones said there and and how correct he is about, you know, building collective efficacy with communities is really the key to making those communities uh, viable again, you know, especially those underserved uh, communities that that we focus on. And public safety is a key component of that, but but really not for the reasons that a lot of people think. And and kind of gets into your question is, you know, when I first became a police officer, 
you know, uh, community engagement and uh, building community assets were not in my vocabulary. Uh, and <laughs> either were they in the vocabulary of, of any police officer uh, or my police department at the time. And uh, it was really through uh, our partnerships and the change that we had in our policing philosophy, especially our partnership with LISC, that allowed us to begin to understand that component of community building and, and what a vital role we played in that. And as a police officer, you know, um, one of the things you're, you, that you're required to do on my job now is is problem solve and problem solve at a community-based level. And as a result of that, you begin to try to look for ways to really begin to work on issues that affect communities not only for the short term but for the long term. And as part of that process, you know, you begin to look at organizations uh, that might be able to help you do that. And LISC mm-hmm. was really paramount in helping facilitate those types of relationships, first of all, with them uh, themselves, with LISC, the organization itself, and, and helping us understand what it is that you guys do and how you do it and how you could help us, but also with other organizations in the community to really build that trust and really build that working relationship uh, that allows us to bring assets into the community that might not be brought into the community otherwise. So, you know, for me, it was a sea change in the way that I thought about policing and the way that I thought about problem solving. And it was something that really um, and continues to be different in regards to how most police organizations uh, look at you know, problem solving and community building. You know, we've gotten to the point of where we've evolved beyond, you know, just community policing. We are building relationships with folks in the community to community building, which is where you're actually bringing assets into the community to help that community um, be what it could be for everybody that lives there. So talk us through an example of what that distinction looks like from just community policing to community building. And I know we, LISC, released a report on this uh, last year, Place, People, Police. And and so if, if both of you really could talk through some examples you've seen of how that looks on the ground and in that distinction. Sure. So let's, for example, we serve a population um, or we should, uh, I should say, we have first contact with a population of people that either have uh, are victims of uh, some type of trauma, maybe they're crime victims or they've been exposed to some type of trauma in their community, or somebody who is suffering from some type of mental health issue or people who have issues around really poor housing stock, right? So we're, we're the first point of contact for a lot of those folks every single day. So usually, our, you know, in an older model, what our, what our community contact would be, maybe we, you know, in a community policing model, we develop a relationship with these folks. We, they, you know, we would speak to them about what their problems were and try to help them in some way, shape, or form. The, the community building model is where you're actually bringing assets into the community as a police organization because we are the first point of contact to help deal with those issues right then and there at the first point of contact. And as a result, you know, we form relationships with a mental health service provider. Mm-hmm. We have licensed clinicians that ride out with the police 16 hours a day responding to calls for service where people are having some type of, um, you know, mental health crisis where they are evaluated and uh, uh, 
uh, given treatment and followed up on uh, for both the short and long-term treatment. We've also partnered with an organization called Family Services of Rhode Island, which um, provides counseling and um, other types of social services to folks who have been exposed to some type of trauma, whether they're a crime victim, a victim of domestic violence, or just exposed to general community trauma. And the same same situation, they ride out with us 16 hours a day. We have a, uh, a licensed clinician that meets with folks who have been exposed to this type of trauma, especially kids, and begins to provide, you know, at point of service um at point of service, a point of contact services to those folks to really begin to mitigate the long-term uh, detrimental effects of exposure to trauma. So those are just two ways. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the work that we've done with LISC to really try to regenerate uh, you know, physical assets in a neighborhood, uh, good housing stock, um, green spaces for kids to play. You know, when I grew up, the only green space in my neighborhood was literally at the foot of a garbage dump where we would play flag football and, you know, uh, baseball, sandlot baseball and stuff like that. Um, that space is now a beautiful green space because uh, of the partnerships that we've developed and the work that we've done with LISC and other organizations to redevelop that area. That's a hugely impactful thing for families that, that live in those neighborhoods. Uh, it's hugely impactful to have a decent house where, you know, you go to work every day and you're not worried that, you know, your kids are being exposed to some type of, you know, negative thing because of where they live. Um, that changes lives. And so that's what, do, that's what building community assets does. Community building, I mean, community policing builds relationships, bringing assets. Community building actually brings assets into neighborhoods to help them become really self-sufficient, build collective efficacy, and, you know, make those places good places for people to live and grow. Great. Uh, Reese, anything? I think the captain um, stated it eloquently. I would just add that um, all of this lowers crime, Mm -hmm. right? And so we're talking about making a community safer. We're talking about... Uh, rehabbing the physical assets in the community. Uh, we're talking about um, creating an environment in which grandmothers are comfortable with their children playing in, in green spaces. And most especially, uh, what we're talking about is the role of social capital mm-hmm. in building and sustaining communities of opportunity. And here you've got Really, uh, what's on the forefront of social capital here is this connection, this relationship, this partnership between residents and law enforcement, and it's it's powerful. And so we're uh, we're happy to be a part of it. We have a partnership. For example, I visited recently with uh, law enforcement in Richmond, Virginia, to give you another example, where what we're doing there is helping two formerly incarcerated individuals um, uh, basically sustain a basketball league that's focused on public housing. And the police commissioner will tell you when you ask him that when that league is in season, that crime in the city of Richmond is, uh, it goes down. Hmm. Right. So you see the real impact. You see a real impact on crime data and you see a real impact on the ability of 
us and law enforcement and residents to work together to make the neighborhood safer. And that's, at the end of the day, what it's all about. So I wonder from both of you, really, if if the expectation is law enforcement has this role in community building, do you start to see a change in the type of people who are attracted to law enforcement? Or is it – talk a little bit about that because that's a very different skill set from the more traditional community policing model maybe. Yeah. So first of all, let me just reinforce what uh, Mr. Jones just said. You know, um, these strategies really um, build the type of communities that become self-policing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's what that whole idea around collective efficacy is. Uh, for example, in Providence, uh, the work that we've done as a police department since 2004, we have lowered the amount of arrests that we've made by over 70% wow. while decreasing violent crime over 40%. So those things aren't supposed to happen in policing, right? You're supposed to arrest your way out of crime. <laughs> but what we've done is really build, help to build collective efficacy in communities and mitigate some of the you know, trauma-related um, long-term effects that those things have on communities. So these, these you know, it, it is a different way to think about policing, and there is uh, a learning curve for police departments. I've been lucky enough to work in an organization that, that um, really went through a sea change in how they look at um, law enforcement about 15 years ago. So I've, I've got the experience of working in both models and seeing which one works and which one doesn't. Um, and, you know, this model obviously works uh, much, much more comprehensively. And it's about letting people know that um, early on in, in the process of, of becoming a police officer. So when we, when we recruit officers, we talk about it. When we have a training academy, we talk about the importance of community building, not just community policing. We talk about the expectations of, of our police officers and what they should be doing. Um, but it's a slow process. You know, you're changing, changing culture in law enforcement is difficult because it's a uh, it's an established culture that's been there for a long time, so you're really, and, and there's resistance to change, but, you know, um, it, it's change that needs to happen, and I think it's the future of policing. I think police executives throughout the country really see how important these types of relationships are, how important organizations like LISC are to their, to their long-term and short-term success, especially given the climate of police community relations over the last several years. And so I think there's uh, there's room for change, and you're, you're starting to see that. So I would just add that the the change comes because we have partners like the captain here. I mean, the, the captain is now policing in a community that he grew up in, mm-hmm. and uh, it's his it's his model. It's it's his um, uh, it's it's his actions. It's it's what he does that actually inspires other officers to emulate him. And we're doing things in Providence uh, because of officers like himself that we can't do elsewhere. Right. right. And um, the bottom line is it's seeing more uh, more folks like the captain is what's really going to keep the momentum going for the kinds of talent that. Um, that we need to do this work with. And so for a community that maybe hasn't had this shift culturally to both of you, what do you recommend? And maybe let's start with the captain of, of first steps or, you know, particular trainings or strategies for getting a department to move. Um, that would be great to hear from both of you on, uh, to close. Yeah. Um, 
Well, yeah, I think it's I think it's really important that police departments get exposed to these ideas first. So that's step one, and I think LISC does a really good job of that. Um, making sure that the message gets out, the message is one uh, that is brought to police departments comprehensively, where they they don't just talk about the the process, they actually bring subject matter uh, experts in to really explain how the process works, how the relationships are built. Um, they talk about the nuances, you know, stuff around funding and, mm-hmm. and important issues that really, um, uh, really matter to you know, especially to police departments, um, because they don't normally facilitate these types of relationships, which I find, you know, it's kind of funny because I've been doing this for a long time now, well over a decade, and it still kind of um, surprises me when police police departments that I speak to um, are kind of like, uh, they're, they're just so enamored that, you know, this is happening and that we've managed to do this. And it's kind of second nature to us now. So that's really where we want to get other police departments across this country. We're building these types of relationships and bringing these types of assets into communities becomes second nature because it really helps us to do our job better. It's, mm-hmm. it's all stuff that the stuff that we're talking about is stuff that police departments across this country deal with every single day. And it's just that we have, um, because of the, the the ability that we've had to, to embrace these relationships and partnerships, we've developed an opportunity in a way to deal with them in a more comprehensive manner. And that's what really the key is. It's stuff that we're, it's not added onto your plate. It's helping you do your job better, more efficiently and more comprehensively. And really that's the message that we need to get out and the, the types of trainings that need to be developed around, you know, facilitating that. Great. Well, I think that's an excellent note to end on in terms of the message of, one, try to integrate this into the very core of what you're doing as a police department and then also work with us to get started and with the captain. So, um, Maurice, any any closing thoughts for the year as we tie up 2018 for LISC, community development, community economic development? Where are we at? We're in a great spot because of partners like Captain Isabella. So uh, we jump off into 2019 with probably one of the biggest years, uh, 2018, to propel us um, to propel us into the new year. So we had a good year, or we've had a good year. We want to finish out this uh, this month, but uh, we've launched a new business. We've entered new geographies. We have ramped up our economic development work. Um, it's exciting. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, 2019. Great. Which is another big year. For I know us. another big year, which safety for sure will be a part of as our first national program. Looking forward to the next forty. But let me just say, Captain, thanks for your partnership, and we're looking forward to continuing it. And um, uh, we, we look forward to helping make Providence uh, the community that you and the, and the residents want it to be. Well, Mr. Jones, thank you. Also, our partnership with LISC is one of our. Uh, strongest and best partnerships that this uh, law enforcement agency has ever had. And we'll continue to build that relationship because it's meaningful work that really gets to, you get to help people through it. And that's, that's the bottom line. That's what we want to do is build communities and help people. So thank you so much and uh, look forward to 2019. Yep. Thank you, Got Captain. It. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye.